From the in-town Jewish Academy in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Rabbi Ari Solish, and this is Knowledge on the Deeper Side. In this podcast, we discuss the most inspiring and stimulating Jewish ideas, ideas that challenge the way you think and feel. To sponsor a class or episode, please visit intownjewishacademy.org slash sponsor. And now, on to the episode. Recording in progress. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parsha. Today is Monday, May 30th. It's also known as Memorial Day. And what's perhaps most significant is that we are starting a brand new Torah portion and a brand new book of the Torah. This is book number four, the book of Bamidbar. Bamidbar means in the desert. The English name of this book is Numbers. But in the Hebrew, it is called In the Desert. And as we'll see throughout the book, the storyline is what takes place in the wilderness, in the desert. All right, I'm going to share. Yeah. Why do you translate it to numbers? Why do you just call it In the Desert? That's a great question. So it's interesting that even in Jewish literature, the book is also called, I mean, it's called by Midbar in the Desert, but it's also called Chumash HaPikudim, which means the book of counting. Because there's a lot of, uh, numerous times in this book, the Jewish people are counted. So I think that's kind of where the theme numbers comes from, because it, there's like all these censuses, all these countings uh, with numbers happening. Um, but there's, a, you know, there's the idea of, of a desert is certainly significant. Look, on a, on a mystical level, on a spiritual level, we can get started right with this idea. So this Torah portion of Bamidbar, the book, is always begun on the Shabbat before Shavuot, the Shabbat before the holiday of Shavuos. And Shavuot, of course, is the anniversary of the giving of the Torah, where? Mount Sinai, which was in a desert. But more than that, the purpose of Torah is to transform, not literally, but but conceptually, to transform a desert into a garden, to transform a place that's barren and desolate spiritually into a place that's vibrant and blooming and lush and gorgeous, so that's really the purpose of the whole Torah. And so it, I guess it's appropriate that we're beginning the book of, of Bamidbar, the desert, which we read about the journeys of the Jewish people in the desert. But we also remind ourselves of our task, which is to make this, to transform this world from a desert, from a barren wilderness and no man's land into a place of divine beauty. All right. So with that in mind, let's jump in to our reading. Torah reading for Bamidbar. Numbers chapter... One, verse one. Here we go. The Lord spoke to Moses in the Sinai Desert, in the Tent of Meeting. That, of course, refers to the Mishkan, the tabernacle, the building. The Mishkan had a courtyard and then a building that was covered. That's what this means. God spoke to Moses in the Sinai Desert, in the Tent of Meeting, on the first day of the second month in the second year after the exodus from the land of Egypt, saying, okay, so we have a lot of this is like, stylistically, this is, this is perfect. I remember when I first learned how to write a story, you were always told to write, to give the setting. Who, who, who is there? Where are they? When is it? So, you know, time, place, and, and people. You have all that in this, uh, in this opening verse in the, in the book of Numbers. You have the characters, God and Moses. You have the location, Sinai Desert, and specifically the Tent of Meeting, so you can almost visualize it. And when is it happening? First day of the second month. That, that refers to Rosh Chodesh Iyar. Remember, from the Exodus, what's considered to be the first month of the year is always Nisan, the month of the Exodus. Second month would be Iyar, which is the month, today's the last day of the month of Iyar, tomorrow's Rosh Chodesh. So that's the second month. So it's Rosh Chodesh Iyar in the second year. So that's the year um, two, four, Four nine from creation two four four nine. So one year after the Exodus, Rosh Chodesh Iyar. This is what God said to Moses, and you see it begins with a census, with a count, with numbers. Take the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel by families following their fathers' houses. In other words, you're counting not just the general population, but you're first counting based on tribal affiliation, which is based on a paternal division. So the tribes, 
As we know, Jewish identity goes by the mother. Tribal affiliation goes by the father. That's kind of how you know, each parent plays a role within, within Jewish societal structure. So when God tells Moses to take the census, he says, count the entire people by families following their father's houses, in other words, by each tribe. A head, a head count of every male according to the number of their names. Now, I should qualify this, as we've seen prior, there, there was a census or two, maybe one, in the book of Exodus. And we encountered this idea then, that only the males, 20 to 60 were being counted, those would be the men of military eligibility, military age. Um, women, children, seniors were not part of the census. The census was essentially, you know, you could roughly call it head of household. Um, it's not 100% accurate, but it's at least military age, you know, potentially head of household type census. So this is, these are the parameters of the census. And as God specifies in verse number three, we get the, uh, the ages from 20 years old and upwards. And it, it doesn't mean 20 until whenever it's 20 to 60. All who are fit to go out to the army in Israel, okay, army eligibility, you shall count them by their legions, you and Aaron. So what we have in, you know, in, in the syntax of this, of this sentence, you know, it's a little bit bulky, 20 years old up, all those who are fit, you should count them by their legions, and, and, and who should do the counting? You and Aaron. Okay, so we, 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 get, the, we get the basic idea over here. Um, a second here. Let's let Joy in. Hey, Joy. <coughs> Welcome. Happy Memorial Day. Thank good, you. Good to see you. Okay, so we, we just started the book and we're talking about the census. God says, one year after the Exodus, one, a year and a month after the Exodus, God says to Moses, count the people. And who should do the counting? You and Aaron. Which... I'm going to share a thought on that soon. Why is it that Moses and Aaron, the leaders of the community, have to do the census? It seems like hire some volunteers. Why should they do the counting? We'll talk about that. With you, Moses and Aaron, there shall be a man from each tribe, one who is head of his father's house. In other words, Moses and Aaron are, are, are here commanded to count the people tribe by tribe, and every tribe that they count, they should be paired with a representative of the tribe to help oversee the census. That's kind of the way this works. It's kind of like maybe a national election that also has a state-by-state proctor, you know, somebody in the state that's overseeing it. Something along those lines. Okay? Um, And these are the the names of the men who shall stand with you. In other words, who are the heads of each of the tribes that should be with you as you count their respective tribes? So here we go. For Reuben, tribe number one, Elitzar, the son of Shedeor. For Simeon, Shalumiel, the son of Tzurishadai. For Judah, Nachshon, the son of, of Aminadah. By the way, Nachshon, he was a special guy. He was the guy that when it came... When the Jews found themselves pinned against the sea with the advancing Egyptians behind them, and God says to Moses, keep on moving forward, and Moses tells the people, keep on moving forward, it's Nachshon, this guy right here from the tribe of Judah, right? Nachshon, the son of, of, of Aminadab, who is the first one to walk into that sea, and he walks into the sea until the water gets up to his nose, and then the sea splits. He, was, he had pure faith and trust in God. He, he marched in. Nachshon, was a very special guy. All right, next, Issachar. I'm sure they were all special, but, but Nachshon, we have a, a phenomenal story. For Issachar, Nisanel, the son of Tzur. For Zavulon, Eliyah, the son of Chelon. For the children of Yosef, remember, Yosef is sometimes divided into two tribes, Ephraim and Menashe. Let me explain that for a quick second. There were 12 sons of Jacob. These formed the 12 tribes. However, amongst the 12 sons of Jacob, you have the son and the tribe named Levi. The Levites were not counted in the general census, which would make them, which would then leave only 11 tribes. How do you have 11 tribes? You gotta have 12 tribes, right? So Joseph, Yosef, is divided often into two tribes, 
into two, like A and B. So Joseph has Ephraim and Manasseh. In fact, if you recall, at the end of the book of Genesis, the last Torah portion, Vayechi, so when Jacob, Yaakov, is on his, was, what is he on his deathbed already? I don't know, he was getting older. He calls Joseph, and Joseph brings his two sons. Remember, he crossed the hands when he blessed them. He, was, uh, he crossed the hands. And um, Joseph tried to correct his father. He says, I know exactly what I'm doing. But anyway, the blessing that he gives to his grandsons, he says, Ephraim and Manasseh, he says to Joseph, your two sons should be to me like Reuven and Shimon, like Reuben and, and, and Simeon. In other words, Jacob conferred to Joseph's two sons a quasi-tribal status or a tribal status. So thus, when, when the tribe of Levi is out of the picture, because let's say we're counting for military purposes, the Levites did not fight in the military. They were the priests. They were, they were, they were working in the temple on behalf of the people. They weren't eligible for the military. So when you're dealing with a military census or a census of the people that, that counts military men, uh, um, uh, men of military eligibility, 20 to 60, you're counting 12 tribes and you're, you're splitting Ephraim and Manasseh, the two, the two divisions within uh, Joseph. You're counting them as two. I hope that makes sense. So here we go. For the cho- verse 10, for the children of Joseph, for Ephraim, Elishama, the son of Amihud, and for Manasseh, Gamliel, the son of Pedatzer. For Benjamin, Abidan, the son of Gedoni. For Dan, Achiezer, the son of Amishadai. For Asher, Pagiel, the son of Achran. For God, Eliasaf, the son of Duel. For Naphtali, Achira, the son of Anon. Those are your 12. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Hold on. Why am I, why am I only counting 11? Oh, because I forgot to count Reuben. Right, Reuben. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Those are your 12 tribes, your 12 leaders, one representative of each tribe. These were the ones, verse 16, these were the ones summoned by the congregation, the princes of the tribes of their fathers. They are the heads of the thousands of Israel. In other words, every tribe had a tribal leader, a tribal representative who went along with Moses and Aaron for the census. Then Moses and Aaron took these men who were indicated by their names, and others who were um, officially uh, designated by name, and they assembled all the congregation on the first day of the second month, that Rosh Chodesh Iyar, 2449, and they declared their pedigrees according to their families, according to their father's houses, according to the number of names, a head count of every male from 20 years old and upwards. What they did, that's a long sentence, essentially what they did was, they went around and they counted every single member of their tribe, at least the male military eligible members of, the, of their tribe, 20 to 60, made sure that everyone who was being counted was of the right yichus, in other words, they were of that tribe, of that family, and they took that count. From 20, every male 20 years old enough. As the Lord had commanded, sorry, as the Lord commanded Moses, so did he, the tribal leader, count them in, oh, I'm sorry, so did he, probably Moses and crew, count them in the Sinai Desert. Okay, that's the opening reading of this Torah portion and of this book. So clearly, as we were discussing, you know, kind of before we officially started, um, the book is called by Midbar, which means desert named after the Sinai Desert, but it's called in English Numbers, right? It's called Numbers, and that's in a, strong, in a, in a, in a very real way due to the, to the multiple censuses that take place in this book, including one that begins right away in this book. Okay, one, let, we're going to do Rashi. I have a few insights to share with you as well, but let's start off with Rashi. Let's see what Rashi, uh, let's see how Rashi helps us out over here. Rashi says that God um, commanded in the Sinai Desert, the first of the month, that they should be counted. Look at Rashi. Because they were dear to him, because the Jewish people are dear to him, he counted them very often. When they left Egypt, he counted them. Exodus 12. When many fell because of the sin of the golden calf, 
He counted them to know the number of the survivors, Exodus 32. When he came to cause his divine presence to rest among them, he counted them. On the first of Nisan, the Mishkan was erected, and on the first of Iyar, he counted them. So Rashi cites three different senses, counts. One, after the Exodus. Two, after the sin of the golden calf. Three, after the Mishkan was built. Remember, the Mishkan was erected, Mishkan was put up, the first of Nisan, 2449. That's when Nadav and Aviyah, the two sons of Aaron, died on that inauguration day. One month later, first of Iyar is this. That's, that's where we are in the timeline right now. One month after the Mishkan is up and functioning. So God says, now you have a Mishkan. Right now, my divine presence, God says, is going to rest among the people. I want to know how many people, how many households do we have? That's, uh, that's the census. So essentially, Rashi is telling us about how beloved um, we are to God and thus, that is why so many counts, so many censuses. It's an interesting, an interesting angle. You count what's dear to you. Something that you care about, you note. Um, so, for example. Oh, I'm sorry. I wanted to stop sharing. So, for example. You know, when a kid gets something new, oftentimes, the kid will put it, you know, they'll, they'll put it next to their bed at night. Because they, it's 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 a new item in their life, and they're excited about it, so they put it near their bed. So, for example, the old Greg Maddox bobblehead, right? Fun, fun for the whole family from one Braves game. The replica World Series ring from the Atlanta Braves that my kids got last week at the game. Have I showed this to you yet? No, but you explained it with those rubies. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Oh my gosh. It's like, it's, yeah, it's got like real fake rubies right there. Genuine fakes. I mean, to me, it looks legit. <laughs> yeah, it looks legit, right? I mean, like, it's got like the World Series trophy on that side. The other side has got the Braves logo, a little thing of like wow. stadium. Yeah, it's very detailed. It's very heavy. It's very heavy. It's like, I don't usually wear a ring, but I, I don't mind making an exception. I think the A goes out. <laughs> Right? It's like official, very signity, right? This could be like my stamp if I had like a wax seal. Um, anyway, but what's my point? I don't know. No, I, I know my point. My point is like, you know, kids or even adults, you get something new. It's like, oh, cool. Like you want to, I don't know. You just want to note it. You, you, you know, when you're obsessed with something, you want it around you all the time. You just want to like take it out and look at it. That's, that's just kind of the way it is because like you like it. So Rashi says, God loves us like that. So he's always like, oh, hey, how many do we have? It's like, he's always like, hey, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's count. You know, imagine if you, I don't know, if you won like what? Hello, Reva. Go say hi. Aw, look at you. By the way, someone in this room right now, someone in this room, I'm not going to tell you who, just graduated from kindergarten last week. I'm not going to tell you which one. Do you want to you want to say Reva? You want to share who graduated from kindergarten? <laughs> How's it going? Is this your ring? It is, or is it mine? mine. It's yours. Yeah. Okay, I was just I was just showing it off. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay, great. By the way, she didn't put it by her bed, but this the concept still stands. It doesn't have to actually bear out in real life. The point is, when you like something, you always want it around you, right? You want to hang out with me? You're hungry? Okay, we'll get you food. What do you want to eat? Mommy's coming later. What do you What do you want to eat? Okay, go ask Shalom. He's super capable. No, I'm teaching class. Oh, okay. Hold on for one second. Um, tell Shalom I just got bread. He should put in the toaster for you. Okay. Right, that's a good idea. Okay, good. It's in the bags. It's in the Whole Food bag right there, okay? All right. By the way, Whole Foods, they have bread that is super kosher, pastoral. Good stuff. And it's good. Yeah. All right, back inside. 
Oh, wait, so what are we talking about? Oh, Rashi. So Rashi says, because God loves the Jewish people so much, he's always counting them. It's like, imagine if you won the lottery, you got up like wads of cash, and you want to keep it around. Like, let's say you didn't put it in a bank. So, like, you would just probably like flip through it. It's just like, you know, count them. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. So that's the really, it's, it's kind of a very cute, I don't know, cute, romantic, not romantic. I don't know. It's very warm, very warm concept that we see in Rashi. All right, uh, let's continue. Take the sum of the people um, by families. By families. What does that mean? Rashi says, and I explained this when we read it through, to ascertain the number of people in each tribe. It's not enough to know the total number of people, but we need to know tribe by tribe how many in each tribe. That's what God wanted. Following their father's house, Houses, Rashi says, as I mentioned, if one's father was from one tribe and his mother from another tribe, he's counted with his father's tribe. So again, interestingly, Jewish identity goes by the mom. Tribal identity goes by the dad. Okay? I'm sure there's many sociological explanations and other explanations. Anyway, a head count, sum by means of shekels. A half a shekel, a beck, a half shekel per head. They were counted not one, two, three, four, five, because you don't count people like that. They collected half a shekel and counted the money, counted the coins. 20 years old and up. This informs us, Rashi says, that no one went out to the army below the age of 20. Okay. Uh, I think in the United States, eligibility is 18. In ancient Israel or amongst the Jewish people, it was 20. Okay, with you, when you count them, there should be with you a prince from each tribe. Right? As I mentioned, when Moses and Aaron go around tribe by tribe to count those tribes, there should, they should be met with the, the representative of that tribe. Okay, these were the ones after the Torah lists, there's no Rashi on the, on the people, after the Torah lists the names of the leaders of the tribes, Rashi says they were summoned for every important matter concerning the congregation. They weren't just appointed for this purpose of the census when anything was important. These were the leaders of the tribes. Moses took these men, these 12 princes, who were indicated to hire, sorry, to him here by their names, not hire, to him by their names. They declared their pedigrees. What does that mean? They brought the records of their pedigrees and witnesses of their birth claims, so that each one should trace his genealogy to a tribe. It's so funny, because I'm literally dealing with this right now. My, my kids, two of my sons, the one that you just may have heard say, oh. So uh, Shalom and Shai are going to Canada for the summer, Montreal. And so they need proof, they need like either a passport or a birth certificate. So I was just, I was just dealing with some of that this morning, like paperwork. And um, I'm reading Rashi. Rashi's like, well, they, they looked at documents, birth documents. Even then you needed to show a birth certificate. Unbelievable. Even then. How many? Th- 3,300 years ago. And Moses is like, I don't know. I need a birth certificate. Can we get it like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Notarized. So you have a notarized copy? Is that an original? Right? Look at all that stuff. Um, just had a complicated story in, in California. So my son in LA, he's going to Toronto for the summer. I got Montreal and Toronto. We got, we got for some reason, we got a whole Canadian situation this summer with my kids. And um, he needed a passport. And he had a passport as a kid, which expired a few years ago. So we had to get him a new passport. And uh, to get an appointment for passport in California, some places are like three months out. I happened to like refresh a website at the right time. I got him in a city in, uh, where was it? Burbank, I think. Went from LA to Burbank, got it done. Anyway, why am I telling you this? Because here too, the Torah demands little ID, right? As we saw in Rashi, right? Rashi says, they brought records of their pedigrees. Oh, and witnesses of their birth claims. Okay, I'm gonna go records of birth claims and just call it a birth certificate. That's what I'm gonna do right here. I'm just gonna do a little bit of a DJ mashup. Okay, now I want, to, I want to talk about something that Rashi doesn't mention, but I feel is very 
uh, it's pretty amazing and, and, and worth, worthwhile of, of discussing. Shalom, it's in the bag. Just take a few pieces of the, of the bread and toast it for In the Whole Foods bag. Okay, now take a look at the second verse. The second verse begins, Se'u es rosh. Se'u es rosh means, literally, Se'u means lift. Es rosh. What's rosh? Rosh is the head. Su es rosh literally means lift the head of the entire congregation of the children of Israel. In the English, they translate it as take the sum, which essentially means count. But that's not what it says in the Hebrew. It says lift the head. Now, you know, if you lived, not you, if one lived in France, I don't know, a few hundred years ago, one might say that lifting the head meant something else. Probably some guillotine action was involved. Why then is this referred to as, why is counting referred to as lifting the head? So Hasidus explains, we'll just go straight to the spiritual idea of it. When you, what does it mean to lift the head? Lift the head means to uplift the spirit. It means to lift the esteem of the other. And what is the greatest way to lift the esteem of a human being? It's to allow, it's to notify her when the human being, him or herself, recognizes that realizes that God values them. Let me just speak in more of a personal way. If you know that God values you as an individual for your unique qualities and talents and complexities, complexities, if you know that God loves and respects and cares and cares about and needs you, that's the greatest esteem. That's lifting the head. Lifting the head, not in a negative way, in a positive way. That's the ultimate esteem boost. That's the ultimate confidence boost. To know that God needs you, that God wants you, that God counts you. So when God tells Moses to count the people, he doesn't say count them. He says lift up their heads. That means lift up their spirits, lift up their identity, lift up their consciousness by letting them know that I want to know how many they are. In other words, I consider them to count. That's why I'm counting them. That's why I want you to count them, because they count. That's the message. Which answers another question. You know, as we saw in the verse, I'm going to open this up again. As we saw in the verse, who was supposed to do the counting? You and Aaron. Moses and Aaron were meant to do the census. And I mentioned it in passing before, the whole thing makes no sense. Why should the, the leaders not just the tribal leaders. Why should Moses and Aaron be involved in something as pedestrian as a census? I mean, a census is, you know, anyone could do a census. You knock on a door or a tent, as it were, back in the day, and you say, how many you got? And that's it. You write down the number. Why do you need Moses and Aaron to do it? And the answer is because it wasn't just a count. It was telling everybody, notifying everybody that you count. Not taking account, giving account, right? Giving, not account, but it's giving the sense that you count. And who is, who are the ones equipped to let the people know that they matter in the eyes of God? That's the role of a leader. If you want to know what the role of a Moses is, what the role of an Aaron is, it's about lifting up the people. It's about lifting up the community, lifting up the Jewish people. That's what it is. It's about lifting them up. It's not about the count as much as it is about the message that underlies the count, which is that you individually, you particularly matter to God. God cares about you. You know who else used to do this as a, uh, as, as a, as a, as a, as a path in life or as a, as a mission in life? The Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov used to travel around before, I think before he got like really famous, the Baal Shem Tov would travel around and go to the villages, and go to the farms, and go to the little towns, and he would talk to people. He would meet them. And he would tell them how much, and people would, would, would feel embarrassed about the fact that they weren't scholars, and they weren't very learned. You know, back in the day, even today, but certainly back in the day, school wasn't, an op, school wasn't a possibility for everybody. Not everybody could learn. It just wasn't practically possible. And so... There were many people who grew up essentially unlearned in Judaism, and that pained them because they knew that there was this great body of Torah scholarship that they had no access to. Baal Shem Tov went around farm to farm, village to village, 
reminding people, educating them, telling them, teaching them how precious they are in the eyes of God. One of the mainstays of, of the Hasidic perspective, the Hasidic movement, is that you could have a scholar that knows the whole Talmud by heart. And then you could have a simple farmer who doesn't know any Talmud, but all he knows is that God created the world and he does his best to live a, to live a good life. And it could be that that farmer, not it could be, that that farmer is closer to God. Because God doesn't value us based on the pages of Talmud that we study. God values us in the sincerity. God values the truth, the sincerity, the commitment, the connection, the dedication. Not knocking Talmud study. Talmud study is great. We should all study Talmud and know the whole Talmud by heart. But the Vashem went around reminding everybody, you matter. God cares about you. You count. Vashem didn't delegate this to someone else. He did it himself. Moses and Aaron didn't delegate this. They did it themselves. God says, you're going to do this because this is not a census. This is an uplifting. This is a, a raising of the spirits. And that's something that's uniquely um, the role of Moses and Aaron and a tribal leader. In our lives, just to apply it very practically, number one, we need to know, for, we need to know ourselves that we matter. Not because we're so smart or we're so talented, but because God put us here. That's all we need to know is that God put you here. God put you here for a purpose. And if that's the case, you matter. That's all you need to know to to, to know that you matter. I matter, you matter absolutely unequivocally, essentially, inherently, and fundamentally. You matter. And also we have to know that the other guy matters. The other person matters, right? Even the nudnik, right? Even the one who drives us crazy, they matter too. God put them here as well. I'm not going to say God put them there to drive us crazy, but nonetheless, right? God put them there. They have their own role. Even if we don't see eye to eye, even if, you know, we, we, we don't get each other, we don't, we're not, you know, the best of friends, it doesn't matter. We can have that respect for the other person. So this census, it's not just a count. Oh, how many Jews were there? 600,000 or so men between the ages of 20 and 60. It's not about a number. It's about an esteem. It's about an upliftedness of spirit. And that's the idea here. By the way, why does it say lift the head? Why the head specifically? Why not the soul or the spirit? So the head signifies the seat of consciousness of the human being, of the person. And what we're suggesting here is that the entire consciousness, the entire perspective, the outlook, the vision of a person should be radically reoriented. You know, we live in a world in which worth is defined by so many external factors, right? The value of a person is, well, what, what do they do for a living? How much money do they make? What kind of car do they drive? What kind of house do they live in? Who are their friends? We have so many external metrics to, um, to, uh, um, to judge a person. And Judaism says, no, 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 no. Suez Roche, lift up the consciousness to see a new perspective on, on true human value. The true value of a human being is that they are a creature of God put on earth to do an amazing mission. That is the true value of, of worth. It's not about your job. It's not about the money that you have in the bank. It's not about the car or the house. It's about who you are inside. That's the true value of a person. Suez Roche, lift up the consciousness, lift and, 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 and raise the perspective of what it means to be a person. Okay, so that's, that's a little bit on that. Um, Shalom, can you bring me a drink? Thank you. Huh? Yeah. It's okay. So um, let's get back. Waffles will come later. You see that? I just got offered a waffle. That's unbelievable. A custom waffle. Unbelievable. Shalom, you're a keeper. But inherently, not only because of the waffle, that would be an extrinsic value. All right, back inside. So we did reading number one. Essentially, we read about the, the commandment for the census and the tribal leaders. Let's jump into reading number two. All right, I'm going to share my screen and let's do this. Hold on. Let's do this inside. All right, verse number 20. Now we get into the numbers. This was the sum of the children of Reuben. 
the firstborn of Israel, their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army. Wow, that's a big introduction. It's a big drum roll for the tribe of Reuben, of, Ru- of Reuben or Reuben. The, those counted from the tribe of Reuben were, here we go, 46,500. By the way, as we go through all the numbers of the, of the, of the 12 tribes, let's, let's try to see if we can remember which, are the, which is the biggest tribe, which, are, which, which uh, the, the most numerous in number, and which the, uh, the smallest. Who's that? Is that Reva? Oh, hey, Reva. How's it going? I see that. Okay. All right, so 46,500. Of the tribe of Simeon, their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, his tally according to the number of individual names of, of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army. Again, the same preamble. Those counted from the tribe of, of Simeon were 59,300. Okay, so far that's, a, that's the biggest so far of two. 59,300. Of the tribe of God, their descendants according to their, to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all are fit to go out to the army. Those counted from the tribe of God were 45,650. Of the tribe of Judah, their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Judah. Oh, so far this takes the cake. 74,600. So far that's the biggest. Of the tribe of Issachar, their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit. To go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Yisachar, 54,400. Of the tribe of Zebulun or Zebulun, their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Zebulun were 57,400. Now, Yosef or Joseph is divided into two, as we said before, Ephraim and Manasseh. So we're going to have two different counts. Of the children of Yosef, of the tribe of Ephraim, their descendants according to their families, according to their father's house, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army, those counted from the tribe of Ephraim, number was 45,000, sorry, 40,500, 40,500. Of the tribe of Manasseh, that's Yosef or Joseph, Part B, their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go to the army, those counted from the tribe of Manasseh were 32,200. Okay, moving on, on the tri- of the tribe of Benjamin. Their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who are fit to go to the army. Those counted from the tribe of Benjamin, 35,400. I think that's the fewest so far. Well, no, Manasseh was, 32,200. Okay, but, ben- but that was like one tribe split into two. Standalone tribe, Benjamin, 35,400. Of the tribe of Dun. Their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who are fit to go to the army. Those counted from the tribe of Don, wow, it's a big number, 62,700. 62,700. Now let's compare it to Judah. Judah was 74,000. Okay, Judah still takes the cake, 74,600 so far. Okay, let's continue. Of the tribe of Usher. Their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who are fit to go to the army, those count from the tribe of Usher, 41,500. Of the tribe of Naphtali, their descendants according to their families, according to their father's houses, the number of individual names of every male from 20 years old and upward, all who are fit to go to the army, those counted from the tribe of Naphtali, 53,400. That's 12. These are the numbered ones who Moses and Aaron and the 12 princes of Israel counted, each one representing his father's house. All the children of Israel were counted according to their father's houses, basically the paternal tribal affiliation. 
from 20 years old and upward, all who were fit to go out to the army. The sum of all those who were counted, here's the big sum, 603,556.03550. I'm going to write that in the chat. Sometimes it's, it's, it's helpful to see this numerically. 603,550. That's the total. Oh, I should have put, we should have put the, uh, the totals for each of the tribes as we were going along and then done, pull out a calculator. Okay, it is what it is. But the Levites, ah, what about Levi? The Levites, according to their father's tribe, they were not, they were not numbered among them. As I mentioned before, the Levites had their own, have their own count their own role, their own mission. They were of service. They were not in the service. They were of service. They were not in the army. They were of spiritual service. Let's continue. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, only the tribe of Levi you shall not number. There's one tribe that doesn't get counted in this general census, and that's the tribe of Levi. You shall not reckon their sum among the children of Israel. They have a different count. But you shall appoint the Levites over the tabernacle of the testimony, over all its vessels and over all that belongs to it. They shall carry the tabernacle and they shall minister to it. And they shall encamp around the tabernacle. They have a unique mission in life. They are not the farmers or the soldiers. They are all in on the tabernacle. The vessels, the service, the, 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 they protect it. That's their deal. When the tabernacle is set to travel, the Levites shall dismantle it. When the tabernacle camps, the Levite shall erect it. Any outsider, i.e. non-Levite, who approaches shall be put to death. That is the Levite role. The children of Israel shall encamp each man by his own camp and each man by his division. We talked about this before in some previous classes about how the Jewish people encamped. The Mishkan, the tabernacle was in the middle. Surrounding it were the Levites, the Kohanim and the Levites, and Moses and Aaron. And surrounding that were all 12 tribes. Three in the east, three in the south, three in the west, three in the north, three, 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 three. That's a total of 12. And the children of Israel basically encircled, encircled the tabernacle. The Levites shall encamp around the Mishkan of the testimony, around the tabernacle, so that, there shall be, so that there be no wrath upon the congregation of the children of Israel. And the Levites shall keep the charge of the Mishkan of the testimony. In other words, the Levites encamping around the Mishkan, that was necessary for this whole thing to function. And the children of Israel did, according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, thus did they do. And now we're ready to do Rashi's. It's a long reading, but mostly it's numbers. But let's look at Rashi. Okay, Rashi. Huh, where's Rashi? Guess what? It's pretty straightforward. We don't really have a lot of Rashi. On the whole census, on all the numbers, there's no Rashi because it's very straightforward. Rashi only kicks in after the census as God tells Moses not to count the Levites. Here we go, Rashi. The legion of the king deserves to be counted on its own. Look at that. The legion of the king deserves its own count. Don't count the Levites amongst everyone else. They, are, they have their own special uh, uh, special purpose, special mission, and special census. Another explanation, the Holy One, blessed be He, foresaw that a decree was destined to be enacted against all those counted from 20 years old and upward, condemning them to die in the desert. Ooh, look at this. Unbelievable. He said, let these not be included for their minds since they did not err in the sin of the golden calf. This is unbelievable. I'm going to explain. The sin of the spies, which we have not yet read, it's a few Torah portions from now, when Moses sent the 12 spies to check out the land, they came back with a negative report. The people complained, they cried, and God says, okay, you're not going in. This generation is not going in. Who didn't go in? Specifically, the men between, that were alive then between 20 and 60. In other words, everyone who was counted today in the census that we read about today, none of those people entered the land of Israel, with two exceptions. Caleb and Joshua. Those are the only two exceptions of Jews who went from that generation who went into the promised land. Everyone else didn't make it. So God says, look, everyone who we just counted or who's being counted now is not going to end up going into Israel. God foresaw, obviously, all that's going to happen. So God says, I don't want my Levites 
who didn't participate in the sin of the golden calf, they didn't participate in the sin of the spies, let the Levites not be counted among them so that they have a clean, they have their own um, designation, they have their own identity as distinct from those men who would perish in the desert because of that sin. Hope Are that we concerned, uh, sorry, women and uh, ch- children, they were, they were not part of it, right? They were, they were not part, no, they were not part of the sin of the spies. Okay. Anytime you find a sin, it was the men. Okay. So when it came to the golden calf, it was the men. The women did not participate. In fact, they tried to stop their husbands. Um, and when it came to the sin of the spies, only the men panicked. The women did not. This prompts um, the sages to say that the women were always faithful to God and always trusted in Hashem. It was only the men panicked with the golden calf. They panicked with the spies. What are you going to do? Men. <laughs> Can't live with them. Maybe you can't, I don't know if you can live without them, whatever, but, but who, yeah. But who was the, the daughters that had to um, not be because of their father? Yes, correct. So that was a unique, oh, excellent. So the daughters of Tzalafchad, he had passed away in the desert and he didn't have any sons. And as we know now, I mean, as we've seen throughout Torah, tribal affiliation always goes, is always a male, a male-oriented thing. So and the land, the land was ultimately divided according to tribal, paternal tribal designations. And here you had five daughters, no brothers, who said, "Well, we want our father's land." And they just Moses wasn't sure what to do because they're going to end up marrying, you know, other guy, you know, guys from potentially from other tribes or whoever. And what's going to happen with the, with the division of the land? So that that threw that into a tizzy. But yeah, I mean, essentially. It wasn't just Salafchad who died. All the men of that generation died. They just came to Moses and said, hey, this, you know, our father, you know, he died, but he didn't leave any sons. And that was at least, I don't know if it was the only case of a father that passed away without, without sons and only daughters, but it's the one that came to Moses. They, they were determined to get a portion of the land. That's, what's, that's, that's their tribute in Torah. I mean, they're famous for all time because they were so passionate about Israel. They wanted a, a place of the Holy Land. That, that's, that, was their, that, that was their dream, and they, 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 they fought for it. Not that it was much of a fight. I mean, they came to Moses, and Moses says, I'll ask God. And the answer was yes. But they, they petitioned for it. They stood up. They didn't just say, well, you know, whoever we marry, we'll get that, that land. No, they said, our father's legacy. Very special. So I don't know that it was the only case of daughters, you know, girls without brothers, but it was the... One that came to Moses, they were the ones that stood up for for themselves. Anyway, very, very, very powerful lesson on many levels from them. So, okay, so we have two reasons why the Levites were not counted. Number one, because they're the legion of the king. And number two, because the rest of the people who were counted ended up dying in the 40 years of wandering. Uh, You shall appoint the Levites. Okay, yeah, Rashi says appoint, control, okay. Dismantle, Rashi says, they shall set, uh, take it apart. The Levites would dismantle the Mishkan. Whenever they were about to set out on a journey in the desert from one station to the other, they dismantled the structure and carried it to the place where the cloud would settle. They would encamp there and set it up. Okay. Um, any outsider, non-Levite, who approaches to participate in this work shall be put to death at the hands of heaven. Each man by his division, all divisions... Sorry, as the divisions are arranged in this book of numbers, three tribes, oh yeah, three tribes for every division. That's what I mentioned before. Three to the east, three to the uh, south, three to the west, three to the north. The tribes are divided in divisions or regions comprised of three tribes each, north, east, southwest. Or I think the order is east, south, west, north. I think that's how the Torah, not now, but when it does, I think that's how it, Divides it. Uh, so that there be no wrath. If you act in accordance with my command, there will be no wrath. But if not, and outsiders take place in the service, there will be wrath. As we find, oh, as we find with the incident of Korach, for the wrath has gone forth before the Lord. Remember Korach wanted to interject himself in jobs that weren't his, and God says, ah, uh-uh, not going to happen on my watch. Sorry, buddy. So that's, uh, this is a, a, a foreshadowing of that where God says, don't mess around. Everyone's got their job. Stick to your job, and then everything is going to be okay. 
All right, so that's it for today. We did the first two readings. So the book of Numbers, in, in summary, and kind of like condensing it down, this book opens up with the commandment to count the people. As I mentioned before, from the uh, deeper areas of Torah study, we understand that the census is not just the census, not just how many people we got, but it's driven by love, it's driven by um, appreciation, it's driven by obsession in a good way, not like the crazy, you know, thriller movie obsession, but it's like, you know, like real, like just obsessed, like I, I, I want to count you all the time. And that is the ultimate uh, source of human esteem, knowing that God is obsessed with you, that God loves you, not just loves you, God cares about you, respects you, and maybe greatest of all, God needs you. God puts you here, God needs you to do your mission. That is the greatest boost to our self-esteem. You know, some days we wake up, we're like, ah, I don't know, like, uh, you know, we wake up lethargic, tired, whatever, what's my... But if you know that God has given you, today, you woke up, God has given you life to accomplish something marvelous that only you can accomplish today, that might, that might just get you out of bed with, uh, with a shturim, with a, uh, it's Yiddish for like, with a, it's a storm, but with, with energy and vitality. So let's remember that God loves us, God wants us, God needs us, that's the ultimate counting. You count, you matter. And that's the ultimate lifting of the head that lifts up our consciousness to get away from the Western notion that our value lies in things that we have. Judaism tells us our value lies in who we are, essentially. All right, thanks for joining me today for DBP. Hope this resonated. Any questions, comments before we close out? Okay, we'll close it out. Have a happy Memorial Day. I hope all your grilling is successful, if that's even a blessing. I don't know what that is. Um, and uh, have a wonderful day. No classes tonight. Tomorrow, DPP, regular time. Tomorrow night, we have JLI. Wednesday, DPP and Torah studies. Thursday, JLI, um, no DPP. And the week rolls on. Don't forget, Saturday night, in person only, we have Torah Talks, 10.30 p.m., a wonderful learning experience from the community for the community. Community-led study for individuals will be teaching classes on Torah topics of a great interest. So take a nap on Shabbos, pregame, take a nap, and then come out 10.30 p.m., Chabad in town, in town Jewish Academy, Jeff's place, where we will gather together. Deluxe cheesecake bar, coffee bar, and lots of, uh, lots of fun study. All right, hope to see you then, and we'll see you before then. All right, take care. Have a wonderful day. See you guys. Thank you, Rabbi. Pleasure, pleasure. See you all. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find us online at IntownJewishAcademy.org and on YouTube at IntownJewishAcademy. New episodes of the podcast come out a few times a week. If you don't want to miss a single episode, then hit the subscribe button. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment to leave a rating or review. It means a lot to me and it helps other people find the podcast. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day.